0: Man, good morning, everyone. Man, this is a great day, isn't it? Let's say that again. This is a great day, isn't it? We get to talk about hospitality without complaining. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I like. So, you know, if the last couple of weeks we have been talking about uh, being a doomsday prepper, preparing... For the return of the Lord. And one of the things that we have talked about, as soon as I move these over here, is to be sober and clear minded so we can pray. Because I do believe what Sam said that prayer is the primary work of the church, it's the primary work uh, of you and I. And, and by work, we have to define what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. So, let me ask you, if you, uh, if you are in a family, because I know that you have a family, everybody has a family, is communication one-way street or two-way street? That's right. Sometimes we go down one lane more than we go the other, and I'll leave that up to you, but it is a two-way street, and the prayer is the same way. We talk to God, but we also listen to God. I actually had a person tell me once, they said, do you actually hear God's voice? God actually speaks to you? And I looked at them and I said, he doesn't speak to you? Because I do believe with everything in me that you can have a relationship with God that he will speak to you in a way that you understand. It may be through something you read, it may be uh, a voice that you hear, or it may just be something, just uh, an internal knowing, but you will hear from God in a way, He will communicate with you in a way that you get, that you comprehend, that you understand this is the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. Now, I will say that anything that, that you feel like the Lord has spoken to you or is asking in general information in your life, that it will never contradict the Word of God. If you, are, if you feel like the Lord has told you to go up and slap somebody, my guess is that's not the Lord. So, so it's, it's important to understand that whatever the Lord is speaking to you will never contradict his word. So, But in the last couple of weeks, we talked about being clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray, because prayer is about a relationship with God. Then last week, we talked about loving one another deeply, a brotherly love, a, a family love, a, a compassionate love that we look out for the best interests of others. And, and it seems like to me it's really amazing that here's Peter and he's talking to the church about preparing for the Lord's return. And he said, guys, I want you to be ready. So when that trumpet sounds, man, you you're ready to roll. I, I don't want you to I don't want you to be caught off guard. I don't want you to, to miss out on anything. I want you to be prepared and ready. Sound like, you know, when you're when the hurricane's coming, you know, and it's you know six weeks in advance, a hurricane's coming. Yeah and, and you know and you go to Lowe's or or you know one of the Home Depots and one day and everything's on the shelves you go the next day and there's nothing. You know you're trying to sweep up enough uh, uh a little little stuff on on the floor to maybe glue something together to so you can put it on your window. You know it's just it's amazing that you know that people go out and prepare but there's always those that don't. Like those that are not originally from Florida. <laughs> and then you go through a hurricane and you realize, wow, I need to get some of this stuff. I don't know what a generator is, but I'm getting one. <laughs> so, so it, it, it's great, but but it's about being prepared. And here's Peter, and he's saying, man, I want you guys to be prepared. And everything he talks about has to do with the human condition. Nothing is about. Putting something away or or putting something back or preparing for a rainy day. Everything that Peter talks about is bathed and it has this great theme of love. Love for God and love for one another. See, love is one of those amazing things that love permeates the preparation of Christ's return. In everything we do, in everything we say, in all of our acting, in in all of our thoughts, love should precede all things. Whether we're talking to God, or talking to one another, or talking to somebody that we don't know, our primary focus should be love. Love. See, love identifies us as Christ's followers in John 13, 35. He says, yeah, this is how you're going to know that you're my disciples. It's the love that you have for one another. Also in Colossians 2:2, 2, 2, the scripture tells us that love is our motivation. It should be our driving force. Everything that we do should be we should be motivated by love. I love what the scripture tells us about Jesus that that every time he, he almost, almost every time he did the miraculous, he looked out and the Bible says, and he had compassion, he had love, he had empathy, he had sympathy, he was moved on the inside of somebody else's infirmity, knew he had the authority to take care of it and said, I'm going to do it. Love is the motivating factor that each and every one of us need in life. 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. And I, I love the book of uh, Corinthians because Paul is writing to this rowdy bunch of people. I mean, they're rowdy. And, and, and I kind of like rowdy people. That's why I like you a lot. Uh, just... just you know, and he's talking to these people that they want everything of God. They want to do it. They want to do it. Now, and Paul says this. He says in, in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, after he's gone through love is all of these things and love doesn't do this and love does that, he says, and now these three remain. Three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love why is that I'm glad you asked all of us here have faith and trust in Jesus Christ if you've surrendered your life, if you are serving Him, you have faith that when that trumpet sounds, you're going to be with Him, that you will rule and reign forever with Christ. And is I don't know about you, but I know that I know that I know that I am saved, not because of my good works, not because of intellect, not because of any other thing but the blood of Jesus Christ. His perfection and dying on the cross and rising from the dead gives me hope, and I know that that because he lives, I live. It's faith. There's a lot of things we hope for. I mean, I... I, I, there's a lot of things that I'm, that I'm looking in the scripture and, and I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, to those that have passed on to get to see my brother again. I'm looking forward to seeing my father-in-law again. I'm looking forward to seeing my, my parents again. There's a lot of things in the scripture that, that I look at and I'm really hoping for and there's going to be a day that everything I hope for is going to come to pass. And everything I have faith in will become reality. And the same for you. So at that moment, you won't need to hope because you'll have it. You won't need to have faith because you'll possess it. But love continues for eternity. Love is the greatest because love, if, you, if, you, if you're struggling with love right here, and you're saying, well, why is Peter trying to help us understand that we need to love one another, that we need to embrace one another, that we need to uh, show hospitality to one another? It's because he's trying to give us, it's a precursor, it's, it's a forerunner of what heaven is going to be like. Because there there's nothing else in heaven that will motivate us besides love. I want you to think about that for a moment if we did everything with somebody else's best interest at heart would you need military would you need locks because you're not going to steal anything think about how life would be different If we loved God and loved our neighbor as ourselves, everything that is vile and corrupt would pass away. So when when you think about heaven, you say, well, what is it going to be like? It's going to be perfection. Why? Because our love for God and for one another will be perfected. And I don't know about you, but... I think that is going to be amazing. I mean, it, it, it's going to be better than living as the Brady Bunch. It's going to be incredible. Love is the glue that bonds the soul back together. For, uh, Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves, and I like that. Look what Paul's telling to the church in Colossae. He's saying, clothe yourself, put these things on. That means you have to invest some time in putting these things on. God has given you all, all of the clothing, but you have to take time to put them on. He said, put on compassion. Put on Kindness. You ever tried to put kindness on and it just doesn't fit that day? Put on humility, gentleness, and patience. All of these things we, we clothe ourselves with. And then he goes on to say this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against another. Forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh, that one's hard. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And now look at this. And, and over all these virtues, all, over all of the clothes that you just put on, the kindness and the gentleness and the meekness, then all, over all of them, the overcoat, over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. In perfect unity. See, what Paul is trying to tell the church in Colossae, what he told the church in Corinth is, you can have everything else, but if you don't have love, you're not well-dressed. It just doesn't fit. You're not prepared. Love. I believe God is calling His church, you and I, back to a relationship with Him and to one another. I believe God in this day and time is calling His church back to a relationship of passionate, fervent love with Him and a passionate, fervent love to one another. You say, well, what does this do with hospitality? Not yet. I'm getting there. I've been reading in 1 Samuel and in 1 Samuel 6. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, which was made by Bezalel, had, and, and it represented the presence of God, it had been taken captive, and and, it was, and, and, and they'd put it in Dagon's, uh, the, the god of Dagon, and, 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 the, and the god of Dagon you know, fell over, so they propped him back up, and then they went back in the next day, and Dagon had fallen over, and his arms and legs had fallen off. And he thought, now nah, I better get rid of this, this Ark of the Covenant, because God's presence is pretty powerful so, so what the Amalekites did they, they took it and they put it on a cart and they put, put it on the oxen and it headed right for Israel and, and as it got to Israel Israel saw this, this symbol the presence of God and and they, and they took it, and they did something amazing. They, they took the, the oxen, and they, and they offered them as an offering. And they took the cart, and they burnt it as the, as for the fire for the offering. And, and then the priests came and carried the Ark of the Covenant, because that's the way God designed the Ark to be carried, was by the priests. And I started thinking about that a lot, in the last week, and I started thinking, you know, I think it's time. I believe it's time with all of my heart that God's people, that you and I, we're talking about preparing for the Lord's return, talking about love. And I, I believe it's time and high time that, that we take the cart of, of, of our own, uh, of our own uh, ministries that we have put together and we take the oxen and, and all of those programs and ministries that that humanity that you and I have created and and we that we have made for ourselves to carry the presence of God and and we say well if we have this ministry and we have that ministry surely that will bless people and people will begin to serve God and if we have the right if we have the right singing and if we have the right children's group if we have the right youth group and if we have all all of these programs, that these programs will carry the presence of God. But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that programs are fine, but programs are never intended to carry the presence of God. You and I are the, are the recipients of the, of the presence of God, and you and I are the only ones that can carry the love of God. You and I. No matter how good our ministries are, they are not designed to carry the love of God. If you want to see your neighbor and come to Christ, if you want to see your friends, uh, if you want to show them the love of God, you have to possess the love of God. Scripture says this. He says, don't you know in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the presence of God lives in you? If you want love, if you want love dispersed, I'm not telling you to throw away all the ministries. I'm just saying don't let the ministry try to drive what you and you alone can carry, the presence of God. Because the ministry is just a ministry. But a passionate follower of Jesus Christ can turn the world upside down. So, if you, if you say, well, well Pastor, what, what are you saying? I'm simply saying this. If we're preparing ourselves for the return of the Lord, it is, has been, and always will be about having a passionate drive and a love for Jesus Christ and a passionate drive and a love for one another. And we can talk about everything else all day long, But until we have love that flows from our heart, it's just talk. Because love is our motivating factor. Let's go on. 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Help somebody and don't gripe about it. Don't you like that? I wonder why he had to put that that part. Don't grumble. That's a rhetorical question. That simply means you know why he put that in there. Bless your heart. <laughs> Hospitality. It's really defined as as stranger loving, loving strangers, generosity to friends and to foreigners. It just simply means anybody that comes your direction that's in need of help, you help them. If it's in your ability to do so, you help them. That's what hospitality is. Do you realize that the church itself was birthed in, the, in a flood of hospitality? If you read Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, the scripture says they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were in one another's houses. They were blessing one another. They were helping one another. And, and they began to sell those things that they didn't need. And, uh, and they started selling it and they would, they started distributing it to those that were in need. And it was like one person's surplus plus one person's need equaled enough. And it was just an, an amazing experience just to see people showing hospitality, one to the other, and and if there was a need, somebody was on it, and if there was, you know, if there was somebody that had an abundance, they were looking and and trying to meet a need, and it was incredible, and the church just mushroomed, because it was driven by love, hospitality driven by love, and here in 1 Peter, When Peter's talking about hospitality and loving one another, you know that's how the church would, as they went from city to city, they would stay with people. There, you know, they didn't have parsonages and things like that, and and they helped a lot of people and houses. They had church in people's houses and and Peter was trying to help them understand that this whole thing we call Christianity is about loving one another and about helping one another and about serving one another because at the end of the day, it's only the things that we have done for Christ that are really going to matter anyway. So let's let's take a look just for a moment. We as the church let's Let's talk about our, our walk with hospitality and what it means. Because hospitality gives us identity. It helps us understand who we are. I don't know about you, but, but it, it's something about when you are hospitable, when you give and, and, and you give without expecting to receive, there's something in your spirit that just comes alive. You ever notice that? You ever do alms giving where you just give and people don't know where it came from? Oh, man, if you've never done that, you need to do that because there are times that the only ones that know where it came from is you and the Lord. And it is one of the most blessed experiences you'll ever have in your life is when you learn to just be hospitable. You see a need and you act on it and no one knows where it came from and and you're sitting back there and then and I promise you the next time you go into the prayer closet you start praying. Man, there's nothing like God shining his light on you and saying, "Good job." Good job. I'm talking about it being hospitable. It gives us identity. It opens our souls. It it, it kind of helps us understand that we become a little more spiritual more like Christ because He gave all that we could have all and and as we do that and it, it just opens us up and it allows the Spirit of God to flow through us. We're kind of like a like like a faucet that that the presence of God can minister because we are his hands and his feet. We are how God blesses one another. God uses people. God uses us to bless others and it may be a kind word it 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 may be financial it may be that you just get up and go mow your neighbor's yard whatever it may be but whatever situation you see yourself in and you can show hospitality do it and do it with love let me look quickly at just uh, three characteristics of, of hospitality uh, we already went through that. And that one. Here we are. Are you ready? Don't grumble. Okay, It's in the word of God. No grumbling against the pastor. It's, it's there. Read it. Um, number one, hospitality is offered. It's offered. Don't wait to be asked. If you see a need, act on it. Scripture says, offer hospitality. Offer hospitality. Look for opportunities to be hospitable. Look for them. They're around everywhere. It's incredible. Notice that, you know, let's go back to the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is talking. He says the priest walked by the the man that was hurt, and the Levite went by the the man that was hurt, walked on the other side of the street, And yet the Samaritan stopped and ministered to his needs. All three saw him, but only one acted on it. He didn't notice that the good Samaritan didn't wait until he was asked. He didn't stand over there and say, Man, I hope this guy that's hurting kind of asks me a little bit. I'll be glad to help him, but most people don't like to ask for help. Have you ever noticed that? It's one of the hardest things in the world to ask for help. Don't wait. If you see a need, act on it. And act on it in love. You know, I love that story of the Good Samaritan because the the priest and the Levite, Scripture doesn't say they were bad people. They were just so focused on, on what they were doing for God that they forgot the real motivation of why They serve God. And if we're serving in church or if we're serving in our community, if we're doing it for any other reason than to love people and bring glory to God, we need to come back to our first love. Hospitality. Hospitality. Don't wait to be asked. Look for the opportunity. The second thing is simply this. Hospitality has a cost. It will cost you hospitality is not cheap. It's going to cost you your time. You know, there was a time once that, that Nancy and I, we had people in our house, different people in our house, constantly for three months straight. We had to go to the grocery store to spend time alone. Hey, baby, let's go to Publix. Maybe they'll have, or go to Sam's, because Sam Sam's has a little well, that's a cheap date, guys. You get all the little samples by the time you leave. You're pretty good. So, but it will require time. It's going to require a lot of your time because if you're going to help somebody, you're going to help them. And sometimes we get so focused on all of the things we have going on and the things we are doing. That we forget that hospitality requires that we stop the things that we think are important and we minister to something else that is important to another person. Hospitality will cost you your time. I don't know about you, but did you ever get a routine? I have a routine on Sunday morning. And if somebody tries to come in and messes up my routine, I can't even preach. It's just my routine. So, you know, the thing is, there are times that we'll have a routine and we'll have everything lined up the way we want it lined up, and then somebody comes in with a need and you want to show hospitality, but it's going to mess up your program, it's going to mess up your agenda, and you've already drawn the charts and the graphs and exactly how you're going to spend your time, and now you're just grumbling. That's why he said offer hospitality without complaining because it will interfere with your time. But you have to ask yourself, at the end of the day, is washing your car more important than helping out a fellow human being? Offer hospitality without complaining. It's going to take your time. It will take your possessions. Because sometimes, there are some times that that you are going to have your coat. You may have two coats. I don't know why anybody would own a coat in Florida, but I keep one just in case. But you may have two coats, and you see somebody with no coat, but you really like both of your coats. so what are you going to do? which coat are you going to give them? it will cost you your possessions but when you see somebody that's hungry or naked or thirsty or in prison it will cost you to show hospitality Do you know what else hospitality will cost you? Money. Being hospitable is not cheap. In fact, sometimes it, it costs you more than what you think you have. But being hospitable, when the Lord speaks to you and says, give that person whatever it is, and you think, man, I don't have it. I can't do that. But would the Lord ask you to do it if he wasn't going to supply your needs? Hospitality. Show hospitality. It's going to cost you. But I will promise you this. At the end of the day, when you're standing before the Lord, you will never, ever regret showing hospitality to anybody. Because we're not living for today, we're living for eternity. And when we have eternity in view, it makes this life clear that this life is about loving God and loving one another. Here's the third thing. Hospitality not only will cost you, but hospitality needs a right attitude. And, a, and a, doing, doing for others can sometimes make you tired. And I don't know when you get tired, you get a little cranky. When you get a little cranky, you start Grumbling. And here's the thing, it's, it's not about, hospitality has to have the right attitude. It has to be done in love. That's why prayer is so important, and that's why loving your, your fellow human being as, you know, as a brother or sister in Christ. is so vital. It's so important. Because if we give reluctantly, you're not blessing anybody. If you give your time, your talent, your energy, whatever it may be, and you're complaining about it the whole time, you'll miss the greatest experience of hospitality, and that's giving as Christ gave and entering into a relationship with him that he knows he can trust you, and you trust him. And there is a relationship that is to be had with Christ in that moment, in that time. when you have given something to to the person that was thirsty or you have fed the person that was hungry you've clothed them you have visited those that were in prison there's something about standing in the place christ would stand and ministering as christ would minister that transforms your life that takes hospitality and and turns it from a noun to a verb in your life. Show hospitality. We ask our praise team to graciously come back. They're going to be hospitable. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. thought about how how I wanted to close this service. Give an invitation or, I don't know, I've wrestled with it all week, talked to my wife about it, talked to a couple other people about it. Here's what I've come up with. We've talked about hospitality, not waiting to be asked. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you to be hospitable to someone today with no complaining. If you look out in the entranceway over on the right hand side, there's this little Christmas tree and it's got these little tags on it. Those tags are for uh, items that you could buy so when we do uh, the operation of Christmas Child. We'll have enough to, to fill those boxes because we're going to send those box, boxes. It's a gift of hospitality that we are giving freely to somebody that has nothing. You may want to go by and take one of those tags and say, today I'm going to go out and buy 25 pencils or whatever is on that tag and bring them in because I want somebody else to have something that I don't have, that they don't have. Perhaps, uh, perhaps you want to go buy one of your favorite uh, Scottish re- restaurants, McDonald's. Get your Big Mac or and order of fries. In fact, get two Big Macs and two orders of fries and two Cokes. And take that Coke and that Big Mac and fries and just drive around. It won't take you long. Find a homeless person roll down the window, hand it to him and tell him Jesus loves him and drive off. It doesn't take much time. You know your neighbor that's been growing weeds in his yard, you know? You can, you know, you probably hide a 57 Buick in his backyard and never see it. Maybe reach out and see if you could help him. Yard. Maybe you know somebody's going through a financial difficulty. Slip them a couple of dollars. If you don't want them to no, know it's you, give it to somebody else so they'll give it to them. Maybe you just know somebody that's really just been down. You ever you ever known somebody that was down? Just. I think that the best thing that we can do when we're talking about hospitality is let's be hospitable. You say, well, I don't don't know if I have anything to be hospitable about. I think I've told you this before, but it's made such an impact in my life that I love to share it, that that Nancy and I were going through uh, a difficult time one day and we were driving around and... And I hate to admit it, but we were grumbling and complaining. You ever do that? We were driving, and we were just talking about the situation in our life, we were complaining about it. And as we were stopped at the four-way light, a person came by in a wheelchair going across with no legs. And we looked at each other and said, we have no problems. There's always somebody, there's always somebody, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, there's always somebody that you can reach out to and minister to. And if you do it in love, you're going to find something amazing is going to happen that your problems are going to be just that much lighter. Would you pray with me?